Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good day, guten Abend, guten Tag, the um, gets and all of that jazz. Welcome to the latest Gunnerstown podcast. Uh, it's Chris, the Suburban Guna, aka Suburban Guna, and today I'm joined by another one of my partners in crime, uh, Mr. Paul Hepker, aka Invincible Log. Paul, all the way from South Sorry. Africa. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, very good, thank you. And just uh, just the six um, whiskeys in tonight, then I'd imagine. Yeah, no, just just the monkey shoulder with a rather big ice. <laughs> Lovely, a bit which, of monkey which is, shoulder. You know, that's that's water, Chris. That's water. So well, it's not well, alcohol. Monk- well, there's a monkey on both of on all of our backs tonight, isn't there? After the weekend performance, and to help us out with that, we've got was coming in. Um, well, it's, it's was AFC. That's right, isn't it? That's it, mate. Yeah. What's Faye doing? You all right? I'm good, buddy. Long time no see officially, but yes, um, officially not looking not looking like we'll be back um, back back at the football anytime soon. To be honest with you, mate. But okay. nice to be you able to have a little chat and um, deal with deal with the issues at hand. Deal eh? with the car crash. <laughs> so come on, then. I'm going to start with you. Was um, just let's just I'll keep it nice and and light and easy for you. What exactly went wrong? Two one defeat to Brighton at the weekend. Fire away, mate. Um. Where do we start? I think I think looking initially, you're looking at the, the formation. Obviously, he went with a flat four-three-three with with Saka included as the left side of that three. Tried to sort of replicate Pep, tucking Hector Bellerin in, pushing Saka across, Aubameyang sort of coming in and going around the outside. It, it all it all sounds very nice in in principle, but the harsh reality of it is the the quality of our midfield um, trio there just just isn't great to to, to mm. be able to sort of implement that and. Um, you're looking at, I mean, before the lockdown, it was 4-2-3-1. Ozil played every single game under Mikel Arteta um, with no Xhaka, no Torreira and no Meza. So I think that sort of swayed his decision to try and put um, the extra body in there to sort of try and combat um, Brighton in there. But it just it just didn't seem to work. We started off, looked quite comfortable on the ball, but we lacked creativity. Um, Bamiang's not getting into goal-scoring areas enough. Lacazette. Looks, despite having so many bodies, looks isolated. Um, he's coming too deep. Pepe is just playing on another pitch on his own over the other side at the moment. So <laughs> there's a lot of things wrong, but I can see why Arteta attempted to put the three in the midfield due to, like I was saying, our senior centre midfielders being out. And um, but unfortunately, I think just the speed speed over the ground of um, both Ceballos and Guendouzi kind of alleviated that that three and made it a bit too flat. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing for me. And I think we might have exchanged your tweet about it was like there was a couple of times on Saturday where I watched the ball transition from Brighton's defensive third through to our attacking third. I don't think in either of the instances or it might have been three instances that, um, you know, the the build up ended up breaking down and we, you know, turnover possession, whatever. But what was really alarming from my perspective was how easily they just cut through that central midfield of ours of Sabayos and Genduzi. And there's plenty of people that I've seen over the last few days. We're we're recording uh, Wednesday night as it is. There's plenty of people who have said Genduzi had a really really good game. I'm not sure I saw it. I mean, general thoughts from you, Paul? Um, yeah, I agree with all of what you've said um, so far. I think. You know, I'm going to try and bring some positives in. I think we started brightly. I think we had a few good chances. Saki hit the bar. Um, Aubameyang had a couple of good good shots. Lacazette had a kind of a header. You know, kind of, the goalie was, looked like he was going to be one of those opposition goalies that has the game of his life and just saves everything. So, um, 
I feel in some ways, um, if, if any of those, um, if any of those goals had gone in, maybe it would have been a different, a different game. I mean, Brighton play a possession game as well, and we, you know, we kind of outpossessed them with twice as many passes. Twi- you know, um, so there were there were good things to be had, and I, th- I think, with the injuries from from the City game, I think Arteta was kind of at a bit of a loss, to you know, to really have much say in in picking the team that he did. Yes. It, it's kind of. I was pleasantly surprised by Holding and um, Mustafi. I, I found that they were, I mean, apart from the unfortunate goal, I mean, I think it was just unlucky. But I think Holding looked assured. Um, he and Mustafi had um, pretty good pass, you know, like pass ratios, completed passes. They they snuffed out attacks pretty well. It was like you said, running through the midfield. Um, it it was like Emery days. Do you remember those days when when um, other teams, opposing teams, would attack us and it we just let them get from their box to our box without even really attempting to tackle. You mm. know what I mean? Um, I think there was one moment in this game where it seemed like Saka and Aubameyang decided to do the same thing and they just kind of slalomed up the field. <laughs> and then yeah. like four or five passes, they, they, they got to sh- the scoring opportunity. I don't know why we're not doing that because we sure as hell, you know, take our time to get up. But we let them, you know, um, turn the tables on us really quickly. And that's, that's alarming. I think it's the balance, isn't it? I mean, what do you exactly. think? Was I mean, my view is this squad. We've known it for ages. Everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about it in the pubs. We talk about it online. We're talking about it now. This team is just so unbalanced. And if you think about the natural gravitation of someone like Aubameyang, well, he's stuck on the left anyway. I don't really know why that is the case. Although I can understand people talking about putting him on the left because he loves to come in field. But we don't rotate it's not like we have a central striker what then will rotate with Aubameyang and then rotate out you know like back in the old days you'd get the likes of Thierry Henry drifting over but then you'd get somebody else moving centrally so there's not that movement so I just I think that balance is one of the biggest challenges we've got um was thoughts firstly thoughts on balance but secondly with hindsight being a wonderful thing what do you think Arteta would do differently if he could have that Brighton game again with with regards to the balance, you, you couldn't be more correct. I think the issue with the flat three is it is flat, very flat. And um, exactly what you're saying with Aubameyang, it's, it's, Lacazette isn't really acting as a rotational forward. He's dropping into areas that are not needed. And it's sort of, you've you've got Sabayos, Guendouzi and Lacazette playing Ring of Ring of Roses. And then <laughs> Saka's trying his best. Aubameyang's coming in. So, like, it's all a bit crazy at the moment. I just think... The frustrating thing is when you look at our team, we should be in a scenario where against against the better sides, we can sit deep, compact, and then we spring. We've got serious pace with Aubameyang, Pepe, Saka. These are all quick transitional players that can move through the line. So, frustratingly, against opposition like Brighton, yes, it is a way, but really, Arsenal of old, you'd expect us to go there, dominate the ball. And, and in that scenario, when you are dominating the ball, unfortunately, we need someone to, to get between them lines and what I did see was there was so much space between the lines. It was a joke. And really, in a game like that, I'd like to see us pushed up higher. Lacazette or whoever centre-forward stay as a centre-forward and get someone in between them lines. And and unfortunately, as it stands at the moment, there aren't many players in our squad that can genuinely take that mantle. And, and obviously, people have their opinions on Mesut. But I just think games where we're in control, maybe it's time to push higher up the pitch, stretch the play and, and use that space between the lines. But I just saw the other day, it was a flat three, it was just very difficult. And with regards to how he would change that, unfortunately, with the personnel he had, I, I do think he was a bit restricted. 
Mm. We don't know what's happened with Mezzi. He was on the bench. Um, we don't know yet. Let's see what happens to on Did tomorrow you, night. Have you, have you heard the uh, rumours of both you guys? Have you heard the rumours that he was potentially the player that picked up? Again, only rumours. I'm I'm going off of the hearsay of the internet. So, you know, that's never been wrong. Um, but the rumours are that he was one of the players that potentially caught COVID and so therefore had three days out training. And so when Arteta was talking about, well, you missed, you know, you know, he missed, he's had a bit of challenges during the lockdown period. Maybe that's one of the things. Do you buy that? Or do you think well, this is an attitude problem, Paul? What do you well, why wouldn't he have said that instead of taking the ducking note as a tactical decision? You know, if, if the player... I mean, we're in a pandemic right now. It's a perfect opportunity for Arteta to say, you know, he was out for three days because we thought he had COVID, but he's tested negative again. I can't play him. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that he would he would say it's tactical if that's a great excuse to have. You know, well, the COVID I, excuse would be imperfect. Why, are they all, why have we now had Emery, Freddie and Arteta using literally the same line? I mean, the Emery situation, we then found out that he was... You know, they didn't get on um, his style of play in, in itself. We've all got our issues with, but actually it was also a club decision to try and force Meza Ozil out because of the financial side. Do you think, like, what I, what I was, what I don't get is, and again, I don't really want to dwell on Ozil too much because, he, you know, we're talking about a player that never played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I don't get is you've got um, a guy that clearly was in Arteta's plans and something has happened in that coronavirus window, that lockdown window, and all of a sudden... Because he, Ameza Ozil, who is playing in between the lines, like we say, you know, you're cutting, you're not cutting, you, well, if he's in top form, you're cutting your nose off to spite mm. your face to say you're yeah. not even in the squad or you're not even playing. So, yeah. or even on the bench and not even giving him a shout. What, I mean, give me a, give me a 30 second sort of thought on what you think might have happened. The, I mean, the harsh reality of it is we can guess as much as we like, but something has happened and I'd be very surprised if it was something to do with attitude, only due to the fact that he literally started him in his 10 previous games before the lockdown. As soon as Arteta was in charge, Mesut Ozil started all 10 games in the league, and that's a fact. He, mm. again, and that's against Chelsea away. That's in big fixtures as well. It's not like against all the, all, the, all the rubbish teams. So we don't know. There could be anything. It could be to do with fitness. It could, we, we really just clutching at straws. But like you said, for me, it's not about Mesut Ozil. What it's about is, is the attributes and, and what he can bring to the, to the squad with regards to us performing as a team. Now, he's good at certain things, not good at other things. But what we're clearly lacking at the moment is creativity and, and someone to, to grab the ball in between the lines and just move it on and do what he does so well. He just simplistically moves, gets the ball, lays it off. And we get into dangerous areas. And there's a big disconnect with Pepe. I feel very sorry for him. I think Hector was tucked in the other day as well to help the midfield try and stay compact. But that left him even more isolated. And every time he gets the ball, we want him to do something like he did for the goal. And it's just not It's just not going to happen. Like he'll, he'll get the odd occasion where, yeah, but Pepe is a link player. He wants that link player. He wants that through ball. He wants to come short, play, then move off. And, and, and they'll all benefit more from having that sort of continuity. Mm. So... It's not just Meza as a player, because he'll divide opinion, he always will. Just forget about him for a second. Just look at the attributes and what it would bring to, to, to the style of play, in my opinion, rather than polarise Meza. We all know his wage, we all know what he is and what he ain't, but the fact of the matter is we lack creativity at the moment and we've got to find a way to sort of gain that again. Yeah. The, the other thing I think that Meza brings, sorry, just to butt in, oh, um, is, um, you know, as a, as a player who's given licence to Rome and, and takes it, 
he moves and he creates spaces. He upsets exactly, the balance yes. of the other team, which yeah. helps us because when we're too predictable, we can't break through. I mean, we've got Guendouzi trying to act as like a, you know, as a kind of a link between Ceballos who's playing deep or, the, you know, the centre-backs to provide them to, whether it's Lacazette dropping back or Pepe dropping back. Or, you know, that, that link-up doesn't happen. So many times Guendouzi couldn't find that gap. So that, you know, that we ended up having to go wide, swing around. I think Messi brings a little bit of a randomness, you know, to that situation yeah. that can upset the balance of the other team and make them think, oh, who's got that guy? Who's got that guy? And, he's, you know, he starts to create spaces. And I think we needed that. I mean, it's been painfully obvious in the last few games that we just can't find a way to quickly progress and transition from defence to attack. Well, certainly not like we let other teams do it, you know. Yeah. So, so here's a question for you both then. Um, I'll start with you, actually, Paul. Who is the closest player, apart from Meza Ozil, that could do that job in we having our team? Is it Saka? Is it anybody? That's a bit of a tough one to be chucking at you without any prompts, I appreciate. Uh, it's a, you know, I think I think that there's, you know, um, Pepe and Saka, um, Ceballos, all these guys have got um, singular qualities, um, bit, bits of one singular thing. I mean, when Pepe cuts in and when he's got the ball and he's comfortable at his feet, you know, he... he I think he can he can um, kind of perform a similar role. Saka is comfortable in take-ons. I don't think any of them have the ability to ping those, you know, um, cutting like line-breaking passes as meticulously as Özil does. I don't know. I've never seen Willock do it. I don't know about Maitland Niles wanting to go into some kind of, you know, central mid position. Um, Smith Rowe was the closest I've seen really recently, but he's undeveloped. You know. Um, mm. You know, style-wise, I, I felt like he had a similar kind of quality. I don't know if yeah. he was. Was? What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Closest very, thing. Very Imagine Meza Ozil has done his ankle in, and so we need, that's the type of player we need. Who are we going to pick in our team? Is uh, I think that is the issue there, is that we are restricted when it, when it comes to that. I mean, you look at players like Willock. I look at Joe Willock, and a lot of people see him as a, as a sort of number 10, but I don't personally. I see him as a, a guy that... Loves to break from deep, similar to, to the way Aaron Ramsey used to play. Yeah. See him as sort of a third midfielder rather than an actual number 10. I think, I think what people fail to appreciate sometimes is it's so difficult to play with your back to goal between the lines. And Ozil just drifts into them spaces. He'll move out to the left, get the ball, lay it off, link with Pepe. And he'll, next thing you see, he'll be out on the other side of the pitch. And uh, Sorry, move out to the right, Pepe, and link and move across. And he does that without even being noticed. And, and that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing that he's... He's so underrated in his role. And you see sort of modern modern day players like Bruno Fernandes. Um, you've, got, you've got young lads in Italy like Zaniolo. There's plenty of players that are coming up and through the ranks. And then you've got your players like Donny van der Beek, who is very similar to Aaron Ramsey, that likes to burst. So you've got to sort of look at the formation. If you're going to play a three, then I would, I would like to see a player like that. But if you're going to stick to the 4 2 3 one, there's not many that can can replicate what Mesut's doing. And I think we will have to move away from that unless you get the man Kai Havertz. Simple as that. But that's a pipe dream. That's not happening, is it? Chelsea exactly. have got their dirty, slobbering mitts all over him at the moment by the sound exactly of it. Exactly All right. Well, let's move on away from the game then because I think we've pained ourselves enough from that uh, debacle that was last weekend. And let's go on to more pain, which is the contract. Absolute nonsense that, that has come out. Um, a general, Paul, I'll start with you. General thoughts on Louise getting a one-year deal, Suarez getting a four-year deal, Mari getting a four-year deal, and the fact that we're still waiting to find out um, 
you know, what, what's going to happen with Bukayo Saka. Although, to be fair to Arsenal, they're clearly delaying everything with him because I've just seen on Twitter that he got his uh, February Player of the Month award today. So, that's just... Does that not just sum up the organisation of Arsenal right now? So, yeah, go on then, give um, us some general thoughts on some of those contracts situations. I think, kind of, Chris, we're looking at the tail of the dog right now, you know, and I think the, the problem is at the other end of the dog. Um there's something seriously wrong at the top. Um, I think Raul, um, the way he's operating with this coziness with, with certain agents, um, you know, the, the way he's handling the contracts, um, getting rid of Mislintat, there's a, there's a number of things that have just made the f- head of the fish kind of rotten. And that, it starts at the top with Kroenke, mm. but it's, 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 it's the management we had Gazidis and the, and the train smash that that entailed. And I'm just looking at what's happening right now. And it's, it's kind of, it's got its own different, but really, really um, shitty problems. Yeah. And I think all of this, the contracts and all this stuff is just, you know, that's that, and that's just, um, that's what's going to happen with a club. You know, that seems to be disarray. Do you, know, do you know the only thing I'd probably say with that? I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here. Um, do you not think that, Mislintat wasn't completely um, devoid of uh, blame here. I mean, he is the sort of he is the guy that was bringing in Socrates after all. I mean, he's not exactly had a perfect record. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate because my view is that this kind of contacts-based approach doesn't really work for Arsenal, given the the funds that we've got um, and the data-based uh, you know uh, approach that Mislintat offered was a bit more so you know that that's something that we needed to go down the route of i think because then you're identifying that talent before they turn into 30 million pound footballers so do you not think that do you not think that this comes back to even the hierarchy above that yeah but are you saying that that the the contacts and the buddy buddy agents fees and 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 i've got the guy for you and you know all of the signings all happen to come from like one two people you know? No, what, I guess what I'm saying is that um, I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, bring back Sven. I mean, he wasn't completely, you know, it, it, it's not like his proverbial didn't, it wasn't completely without uh, his occasional duffer. I don't really have an answer, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. There was There's a lot of people that are pointing in the Mislintat direction as if to say, well, we've gone down the wrong route here. But that route wasn't exactly amazing again playing a bit of a devil's advocate let's bring was in on this just some thoughts on that then in terms of Mislintat um and the contacts approach yeah i mean back to the just shooting back to the actual contracts i've got a little bit of a different view to most people on this i don't actually see it as severe <laughs> i mean this is me looking in a positive light i'm looking at cedric suarez deal the guy's a free agent everyone's worrying about four years Four years just means in two years' time he's got a value. Simple as that. Um, that's not an issue for me. He's 28 years old. That's a good backup, good, solid Premier League player, international player. I'm a, I'm a fan of that deal. He's not on a huge wage. It's, it, that's a going rate for a backup fullback in the Premier League. So that deal, I just think, at the end of the day, he's still going to hold a value in two years' time. If we want to sell, we can sell. If we want to invest and, and Hector doesn't get fit and wants to move on, we've still got a backup there and we can invest. So and also I do believe that um, Mikel might not be the biggest fan of Maitland-Niles. So if he if he decides to keep Cedric and move Maitland-Niles on, you surely should be looking at a decent fee there to add to the to the to the kitty. Um, so I can see that with the positives there. 
Um, Danny Ceballos, I mean, personally, I think he'll probably be waitering in Tenerife in an all-inclusive hotel in November, so he won't be at the club anymore by then. He, he's not the level required, in my opinion. Um, and if he is, it, it's certainly not going to be for Arsenal Football Club. So that, that's only just to have numbers till the end of this season anyway. Um, the, the David Luiz one, it's a strange one. But again, I'm looking at the scenario thinking, if we let David Luiz leave and one of the other defenders stay, they're all of value. He isn't. So he'll be leaving for nothing if he goes. He's gone for nothing. Whereas if Socrates stays, we're not getting a fee for him. He's staying. He's also mm. terrible. So I'm just thinking, is, is that their thought process? You've got Mavropanos. You've got Socrates. You've got Holding, you've got Chambers, and you've got David Luiz. And I think realistically, when you look at you look at Saliba coming in, um, and you look Mustafi. and oh, sorry, Amstafi as well. They're all they're all sellable assets apart from David Luiz, and they'll all command different fees. But the only person there is not worth nothing is Luiz. So if they're going to go out and sell three or four of them centre backs, which is definitely feasible in my eyes, um, obviously it depends how much money we'll get for them. But it's sort of We've got an overload in that position, so they will be able to clear out three or four and maybe invest that money into a, a, a big centre-back. So you've got Pablo Murray, you've got Saliba, you've got one of the existing ones, maybe two of the existing ones, and then you've also got a new signing, and that's with shipping four out the door. So maybe yeah. that's the thought process. That's all I'm... That's devil's advocate, because Louise on merit, personally, I wouldn't be giving him a contract. But I'm just looking at, if he's there, if he's there as a fourth choice third, fourth choice for, for next season, then so be it. If that allows us to to ship out and invest, then happy days. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I think what's colouring a lot of people's opinions is, you know, it's always the last game colours people's opinions. And so I think the two mistakes against Chelsea are making people look twice. Um, I've run out of the number of people that have said, actually, under Arteta, and, you know, everyone's talked about Mustafi's redemption arc, but actually Louise's was arguably just as impressive. Um under under Arteta stewardship. I think also what's happening is we're seeing this and we're hearing the figures like 120 grand a week. And yet everyone's still looking at the fact that we can't get a deal done for Bukayo Saka. Of course, you need to treat them as two separate things. You know, you can't just say, well, you get one done, you get the other one done. They're, it, it, easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But I think that's what, what's really winding people up is, uh, but I think the expectations of people as well, I, don't, I just think that people just thought, actually, do you know what, let's just wipe the whole slate clean. But you can't do that, even if you're going to do short-term deals, you can't just, Arteta will still believe that we've got a chance of getting into Europe. And all right, let's face it, as we stand, I think we're currently sitting 12th with, on 40 points, which is pretty depressing when you think Newcastle are on the same points as us. <laughs> Crystal Palace have got more points than us. Everton have got more points than us. It's pretty damning, but Arteta will be looking at it and thinking I reckon three or four games wins on the bounce and all of a sudden things look very, very different. Correct. So are you, are you really going to be saying, right, well, we don't want to sign Luis at all, so get him out the door. Suarez out the door. Mari out the door. You know, it, it'll end up being we'll get Three or in in two weeks' time, we'll probably need those players, but we'll have had to shunt them out. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. With with the with the old David Luiz thing, I do I do personally agree that he's as long as he's not going to be first choice. That's the only thing I'm worried about. If the club are, are visually looking at it and saying next season David Luiz is going to be going to be playing twenty plus games for Arsenal, it's going to be an issue in my opinion. But I'm not sure. I'm hoping that when this window comes, we do do the business to alleviate them other centre backs, shut them right down get the money in and then we buy one centre-back and there will be enough there. Yeah, I think um, just 
you know, to just chime in on this, I think my issue is more with the way that these contracts are being dealt with, whether it's Aubameyang's or Saka's or the Louise, when you, we had an option apparently for two years, but now we've had to renegotiate for the second year when actually we could have, you know, um, the same with the loan, um, the loan turning into a proper deal. Like there was a lot of stuff that was, it was neither here nor there and it's ended up being very expensive, you know, because there's double agents fees and double this fees and double that kind of fee. Um, just, you know, there've been a couple of little gems in Martinelli, and maybe Marie will turn out to be, you know, so maybe those are redeeming elements from the Raul point of view, but I'm just, I'm wary of, of how the club seems to be, especially just the optics of it, how, how, how it seems to be um, handling, you know, players coming in and players coming out. It just seems a little bit um, chaotic. It does, from the outside, it does look bleak. But the one thing I would say is, until we get this window out of the way, I'm going to hold, hold fire on judgment because yeah. I, I personally think getting Nicolas Pepe in was unbelievable. Like you said, we have had players like Martinelli. Pablo Mari is simply a left-footed centre-back, which is what Arteta requested. Whether he's a number one first choice or not, he's still, for that value, in my opinion, a decent purchase. If we do go into the summer and we do act the way we have and nothing comes out of it, then I'll be worried. But I've got a sneaky feeling that we might be surprised. But that's just me being an idiot and an Arsenal fan. I know absolutely nothing. I'm not saying I know anything, but it's just <laughs> me me wanting to believe that they IDK. Know, half know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. It's more an IDK. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You'll join me. Join me on that. Right, lads. Then. So we're just coming up to the last five minutes of the podcast. So um, let's talk Southampton tomorrow night if we really have to. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't exactly hold the best of hopes out. Call me the uh, your archetypal pessimistic gooner, but we've got a poor record away to them. They are a high pressing and intensity team. And I was thinking about this as I was on a run earlier on today. They've basically had a week off. So we'll have played by the time tomorrow night is finished and done and dusted. Southampton would have played two games in like seven days. We'll have played three in seven days. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much rotation is going to pay a part. Again, Paul, let's start with you. Give us some some thoughts on how you think the game's going to pan out and what sort of team Arteta will pick tomorrow. Um, well, we have some good news. I think that just at six o'clock this evening, they announced that um, Shackle is back in full training. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> It is good news. I mean, he's been pivotal in Arteta's success. I mean, there was some stat running around that with Shaka playing, however, 90 minutes or whatever, we haven't lost or something under him. Anyway, so, and Socrates is back, which gives us options. Um, Martinelli is being assessed. Suarez has been training. He's being eased back in with his nasal fracture. So, um, Torreira back to full training in two, three weeks. Um, it gives gives Arteta a couple more options than he's had before, but you know it's the midfield problem. I don't know if he's gonna. He, I think he has to start Özil. I think. Um, mm. I think we just need somebody that that has a chance in hell of finding a Bamiyang and Lacazette or you know mm-hmm. or Pepe and putting them through. We have to create more and, chances and take them. Yeah, and Pepe too. I think Özil um, drifts naturally tends to drift. If you look at heat maps, he's often drifting over to the right. So mm-hmm. you've got people like Zaka, if Saka plays, who will naturally drift over towards the left. So there's there's a question mark there over Ozil. For me, I think Xhaka is quite a big deal, actually, because if you think about um, 
the way that we play out from the back and the way that Xhaka is the one that's receiving the ball from our defenders and then he's the one that almost starts them, who builds up the play, I think that's really important. And we haven't had that. You know, you can't exactly rely on someone like Ceballos to do that. You know, the old school Arteta role of pick the ball up, turn around, a little look, distribute. And, you know, that would nine times out of ten, to my untrained eyes, go to Xhaka. But what's, give, me, um, give me some thoughts on what you think the 1-11 to 11 will be. Um, like you said, I, I do expect some sort of rotation. Um, obviously, Emmy Martin is. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a lot of people are a bit unsure on him. I do like him. I do think um, his time's come to have this chance, and let's see how he reacts because he's never going to get another chance again at Arsenal Football Club. So, this 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 is his last chance saloon to prove himself at this club. So, I am a fan. I did like he did have a spell years ago when he came in and he looked very assured. Um, but he's always been second fiddle. Second fiddle. He's here now, so let's see. Let's see what you got. I think Kieran Tierney will come back in, obviously, with the rotation. Um, I think the centre backs might stay the same. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mustafi and Holding start. Um, it would be interesting to see whether he he goes with Maitland Niles over Bellerin just simply due to rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm I'm more inclined to maybe play Maitland Niles if we played a similar style to the weekend in the four three three, and he sits in. You know, Bellerin was sitting a bit more inverted, but I personally wouldn't play 4-3-3, so then I would rather have an actual fullback out there. So, um, Shaka comes back in. Um, I think he will go with Sabahs. I don't want him to. I'd rather, I'm not a massive Joe Willock fan, but I would rather see him at eight with Meza at 10, um, just simply due to the legs and his ability to break from deep, and he provides that extra body going forward um, when we're in control of the game from deep, which is often very important. Um Young Saka, don't burn him out. Please don't burn him out. Rest <laughs> him. There's no point. You you don't need... Reese Nelson has got to be chomping at the bit because this kid's very special as well. He's very talented. He hasn't had his full run at the Arsenal yet. And, and believe you me, once he gets firing, he's going to be special. Um, so I'm, I really do hope that he gets his opportunity. I think up front, I really... You're looking at Lacazette and Nketiah when, for me, it has to be a Bamiang. I just... I really want to see him centre forward with with two sort of wide forwards who can come inside and, and link and combine. And with Ozil and the fullbacks bombing on, we could be really dangerous. So I'd I'd like to see Pepe um, Pepe Nelson Aubameyang as my front three. Um, but I don't know what he's going to do. And if he does stick with four three three again, I wouldn't mind seeing Saka as one of the three if he is going to start because I think he's quite suited to that role. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know. I just um, I'm not sure what Arteta's going to do, but I hope personally that Mesut comes back in and he, and he reverts back to that 4-2-3-1 and we try and dominate the ball, dominate the game. Like you said, move through the lines, move the ball well, and um, I don't think they'll be able to deal with us if that's the case. But they have got that pace um, up top that always troubles us, don't they? They're, they're, and them little yeah. guys, them little quick guys that know how to ruin us. So, yeah, yeah I, I, that's what I'd go, mate. But I'm, I'm not sure what he'll do. And I'm, I think a lot of people are convinced he's going to stick with 4-3-3, but... Before the lockdown, it was all four two three one, and I think with if Mesut's back and fit again, we might see that return tomorrow night. And if we do, I'm fairly confident of victory. Lads, um, it's been really, really good having you on. I'm sorry, hey, I turned into a robe. What's your prediction? Yeah, prediction. Oh God. Well, I joked on Monday that we'd lose four one, so maybe I'll just stick to a draw today. Ah. I just no, think, I think... A terrible record. So. I think we're due. I think we're due a win. So I'm going to go for. 3-1, Arsenal. Was? Yeah, yeah I, I quite like that. 3 or 4-1. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
three or four. Yeah, four maybe. I really don't. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago we went there in the FA Cup and, and absolutely battered them 5-0, didn't we? So we do know it can happen up there, so you never know. But clean sheet's probably fetching a bit too far. Yeah. Well, when I said 4-1, I meant 4-1 to Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, great to have you on. Um, thank you very much. And um, that is our 30 minutes podcast. Um, was thanks for joining us. Guys, thank you very much for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, Paul, as always, lovely to see you. You too, Chris. Cheers. And Thanks, we'll guys. catch you next time.